From Anchor.fm out of Philadelphia, I'm Quincy Stallworth with Kingsay Questions. Today we talk with my dear Talia. She is a writer, visual artist, educator, and TED Talk speaker out of Norristown, Pennsylvania. My dear recently released an incredible book titled, What You Say Matters, 35 Declarations to Unlock Growth in Your Life. She has changed so many people's lives with her consulting company. You can find out more at the bottom of this podcast. There will be a link. You can follow that. But first, a message from our sponsors. Your brand is operating on your behalf 24 hours a day. And brand consistency builds confidence. At 1030 Designs, we help you build brand confidence by creating cohesive logos, social media posts, websites, and marketing materials so your audience knows who you are at a glance. We're here to help, and we're ready to get busy for you. Visit us at 1030designs.com today. That's 1030designs.com. Are you vanified? The vanified model is verifiably adept to navigate the new industry with fortitude and integrity because she or he is equipped and determined. Make sure to visit www.jj2thethirdpower.com to subscribe to our newsletter for updates. Our virtual model mentorship classes will be loading fall 2020. questions. Today's guest is my dear Leah. She's an incredible author of the latest book titled what, do, what You Say Matters, 35 Declarations to Unlock Growth in Your Life. She's also, she's also an artist and consultant. Please do not let my blathering blatherskite tongue mispro- <laughs> mispronounce everything I have to say to you. How you doing, my dear? Yay! I'm doing well, Quincy. How are you? Never better. Never better. Apparently, I'm, I'm tripping over myself this evening. So let's get right down to the point, okay? Right. Uh, your resume is incredible. Uh, I, I've, I've done my research on you in, in a very stalkerish sort of way. And I got to <laughs> know, are you, are you, are you, um, are you like a, a prodigy or a gifted child or something? Um. You know, it's funny that you say that because that was a term that did come around a lot in my youth. Um, was that that you know that product prodigy in some ways, but kind of just like this kid is gonna be something kind of um, magic. And I just never let that go. I just really, I guess, believed in that thought and just that idea. Even back then, made me think like you can do anything you want to do. And I have always kind of had this idea that I want to do a lot of things. So I just kind of set my adult life about doing those things and we'll probably talk about it more later but my mother uh, who raised me was a huge influence in that and so um when I when she passed it was something for me where I felt like well now definitely I'm gonna do everything that I want to do um if not if not for just the sake of honoring her 
I'm going to do everything that I want to do. I'm sorry for your mother's passing, but what type of woman was she? She was just great. She was just a lot of love. She was uh, just a, that kind of like counseling spirit um, at all times. She was just just wonderful. And for a good portion of my, my teens, I didn't even realize how wonderful she was. You know, I kind of was just like pushing her away. And, and long story short, she actually adopted me. Uh, my biological parents weren't in a position to raise us or take care of us. They were struggling um, with their own um, issues at the time. Um, you know, there was drugs, there was just different things. And so we weren't able to um, have that relationship with our biological parents. But the woman that raised me actually was my babysitter. Um, and after like just keeping, she was babysitting me from 19. And then one day she just kind of made the decision like, all right, this girl, she gonna stay. And she just kept me, she kept me. Um, you know, she took the burden off of my grandmother who was trying to raise myself as well as other siblings that, that my mother had. And she kept me, she took care of us. She, she just kept a roof over our heads. She always shows so much love, so much love that sometimes it seemed like a fairy tale. It just seemed, it, it didn't, it didn't almost seem like anyone to have that much love. And she just has so much of it. And she gave it so often and so regularly. I mean, even to this day, you would be hard pressed to find someone that could have an ill word about her. And I know we kind of immortalize the dead sometimes, but like truth be told, you would really be hard pressed to find someone that could not speak of how great and loving and kind she was. So when I think about how great she was, when I try to compare us, I feel like I'm only a measure of what she was. And so at the very least, I can be the best that I can be because I would have never imagined that she wouldn't be here. She was only 46 when she passed. Mm. She had so much more to give to the world in love and in presence. Um, and it just, it amazes me how, you know, some people are here and others are not. And I, I don't, I don't try to make sense of that too often, but I just know I'm here. And the very least thing I can do is give back a portion of what she taught me and give back a portion of that love that she gave me. Um, yeah. Now, where did she raise you? Where'd you grow up? I was born, I was raised here in Narstown, uh, Pennsylvania. It's right outside Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Now, Small little town, but it feels great to me. Norristown in the 90s or Norristown in the aughts? What was your Norristown decade? Norristown, um, I'm born in the 80s. Ah. 80s. Yeah, so. Oh, it was Norristown quiet in Norristown in the 80s. I've, yeah. I've visited Norristown in the 80s. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. like a dream out there. It and, really was. And you could, and, I mean, I don't know about now, but I remember staying over a friend's house out there. And yeah. looking up and seeing the stars and going, is there something wrong with the sky in Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's incredible. You get right outside the city and here it is. You're like, you know, we have, we have riverfront access. Um, we have a huge farm park. We have farmland. And we also have like this kind of city feel. It's just an amazing little town. The um, so complexities of it definitely have changed over the years. And we're facing right now, uh, you know, a, a struggle to revive ourselves and, and compete with the surrounding towns around us. So it's definitely not in the, the shape that it used to be, but I'm a firm believer in the glory that belongs there. And so I'm always those, that type of person that will always see the best in our town. Cause I honestly believe it's part of like God's promise to us. It's just, it's too beautiful. And it's for whatever reason, it's not at its finest glory right now, but I believe it can get there. Now, what was it like growing up? Uh, so intelligent because there's I've never I've never met anyone like you uh especially uh with all of your accomplishments who wasn't considered a prodigy is it possible that, you, that someone in your school just overlooked you because 
you certainly seem like someone who they should have thrown in 12th grade at 10 years old and in college by 14. You know, I really did all I did. It's funny you say that. I did think that those would be the plans. But on another side of me, I wrestled with that. I internally wrestled with was I worthy of that type of consideration? Because even though I, you know, I didn't I wasn't raised with my biological family, I knew I knew who they were. You know what I mean? We, mm -hmm. My grandmother, my biological grandmother lived like right around the corner from us. My mother was well known in the neighborhood. Um, and at that time, it wasn't for things you wanted to be known for. And, you know, I had, I had older brothers and sisters who were also, you know, we just, my family had a certain reputation, my biological family. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ashamed of them in any way, but I did feel like perhaps some of the, uh, some of the reputation that they carried in the community that wasn't so great, that that also was on, like, was a stain on me as well, in a, in a way. And I just kind of had this struggle in my childhood that I wasn't good enough, even though the results and the evidence was there internally. I hadn't reconciled that. And so believe it or not, I actually struggled in school. I didn't want to pay attention. I didn't want to do things. I didn't want to, like I would just kind of buck away from the system because I also knew I can make the grade and I can get the information without you showing me. So what do I need you for? And so it kind of just, it, it built this dynamic where believe it or not, I, I actually graduated summer, I graduated high school in summer school because I failed 11th and 12th grade. Um, but I actually got accepted to college early um, based off my SAT scores, I graduated high school like August 1st and I left for college August 18th. I already had, I got accepted to every school I applied to, but I just was not a pristine student. I didn't show up. I could pass out of every class just by taking the test. So I didn't have the dedication to want to participate in the education system. And I think that's really what kept me involved with the arts. Art was the only thing that made sense education wise. You know, sitting in a classroom for several hours, not really getting anything out of it, not being challenged. I did not do well. Mm. So, you know, I got the I got the praise because I, I knew this stuff, but it was in a system where you have to do the work and I wasn't really up for doing the work. And so in that way, you know, I didn't get as much. I didn't get a lot of awards, um, but people knew who I was. Mm. Did you have a mentor or a, a counselor who who may have guided you along and been, been, you know, a, a you know, a beacon of, of direction in your life when you were younger? Yeah, I didn't at the time. Um, I had, a, I didn't really trust a whole lot of leadership. You know, my mom was great. My mom worked for the school district. So this was my mom that raised me. She worked for the school district. So I'm, I'm like halfway embarrassed in her while I'm acting up in school like this and failing out of classes. And she's sometimes a secretary at the same school I go to, mm. you know, and I'm pulling all this stuff. And I didn't really have anybody that I would listen to. I won't say I didn't have mentors, but I wasn't listening to them. Um, but my peers, they were always kind of like, my dear, you need to stop tripping, like get it together. I remember one time I went in high school, uh, I went to my counselor and she was like, you know, you are not going to make it in college. You just, you might as well just wrap that up. You're not going to go to college. You're not going to make it. So you need to find something else to do. And I happened to be in there with a friend, um, during this time and the friend was like why would you say that to her mm. why would you say that to her like she was upset it, it's easy to tell uh, uh minorities especially black uh, teens you know you ain't gonna be nothing you ain't going nowhere because the way society has ingrained all of us is not to dream big especially for others so no. you're like there's no way you're going to be an author there's no way you're going to be a consultant there's no way you're going to be an artist you can barely get out of 11th grade and that's the right Sadly, the mentality, never mind the system, does not challenge you, nor is it designed to help uh, 
you know, promote you or create you. So. Exactly. And I mean, I, I, I definitely lean, lean, I was leaning more towards the era of creativity and there wasn't anything that really was enticing that or helping that to grow. It was just a lot of like, hey, learn these historic dates, dates or, or learn this, this, this theory. And that's it. And I would always be like, well, no one's doing nothing new. Like there's how do we learn to think like these people as opposed to always just repeating what they're doing? Right. My mind was creation and theirs was kind of on like repetition. And I just didn't do well in that system. But when I realized that I could create my own system, that's when I really just took off. And I just decided I can create my own life. Let's talk about your artistry, your creator. Did you have a, a, a sort of, was this something that just struck you or was this, was this something you were always kind of uh, a part of the creative? Um, it was always with me. I like to draw mm -hmm. through my childhood. Um, my aunts were poets. Um, and so like hearing that and being exposed to poetry early to me, it was always the, the easier way to express myself. I had some, um, speech delays when I was younger. Um, and so it, speaking wasn't like the easiest thing. Having the conversation wasn't always the easiest thing. And also I just was so burning down emotionally that sometimes I wanted to say something so heavy, but I didn't know, I didn't have the space to say it in. So I would journal a lot and I would write a lot and I would do a lot of poetry. And I would like, I would have conversations in my poetry. One of my favorite poems I wrote when I was younger was, it was a poem called, If I Ever Had the Chance to Tell You. And it was a poem that I wrote to my biological mother just telling her about everything I felt that I never really said out loud. And that I also didn't want to tell the other people because I didn't want to make it a thing where we all blamed her, but I felt like I had a problem. That's, you know, I just wanted to bring that up. And so when I wrote that poem, it was something freeing about this, this way of like having this full conversation and this full closure without, um, without needing other people to, to, to be in it, be in on it. And so I just stuck with that. And it took me a while before I realized that poetry was a gift. I was getting involved with my, my church um, and they were like, oh, you should do something. I'm like, I don't, what can I do? And we were having like an open mic night and they were like, you should do something. And I didn't, couldn't think of what to do. So I was like, well, I, I write poetry, so I'll read that. And people's response to it really helped me understand that this is something that can be shared. Um, and the more I got into that, it just, that kind of just opened up the door for me sharing my poetry um, and just exploring where else art could be for me art is always cathartic it's always personal it's always related to my own healing or my own breakthrough or my own um, pursuit of understanding and it just still amazes me to this day that that process is relatable uh, to other people so the, the sharing of it is beautiful but that's not necessarily why I do it it just is uh, it's like a plus to the whole situation mm. let me take a moment to reintroduce you I am with author artist consultant my dear Talia, we'll be back with more Can you say questions right after this. Your brand is operating on your behalf 24 hours a day, and brand consistency builds confidence. At 1030 Designs, we help you build brand confidence by creating cohesive logos, social media posts, websites, and marketing materials so your audience knows who you are at a glance. 
We're here to help and we're ready to get busy for you. Visit us at 1030designs.com today. That's 1030designs.com. Are you vanified? The vanified model is verifiably adept to navigate the new industry with fortitude and integrity because she or he is equipped and determined. Make sure to visit www.jj2thethirdpower.com to subscribe to our newsletter for updates. Our virtual model mentorship classes will be loading fall 2020. And I am back with our gracious and incredible guest, my dear Atelia. She is an author, artist, and consultant out of Norristown, Pennsylvania. Yay! My dear, what's up? What's going on? <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your book and this, this, you know, I always tell people your attitude is your altitude. What I forget to say is you just can't say anything. Yes. And... <laughs> And we have a culture of people who say things like, I'm just kill myself. And I say, don't say that. Right. And people think I'm crazy for, for, for stopping them every time they say that. Yeah. But in your book is titled, What You Say Matters, 35 Declarations to Unlock Growth in Your Life. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, you make a great point. What we say is so important. We, we use speech, conversation words. We just use them so casually. And, you know, that could be that could be because we don't understand the history of them, the power behind them, many different things. Uh, but the truth is the truth that what you say matters. And one of the most important conversations that you have on a regular basis is the conversation you have with yourself. We are constantly, always, regularly talking to ourselves. We're having it, whether it's inwardly or outwardly, you know, you're, you're running things through your mind. You're running thoughts through your mind. You're telling yourself what you think about yourself, what you think about other people. You know, you're having that inner dialogue. And as a person that has had that inner dialogue and that dialogue was self-sabotaging, that dialogue wasn't affirming, you know, it's it, it was detrimental to me. People could be cheering me on left and right and I would be the one inwardly tearing myself down or saying it's not true or, you know, you're, you're not that great. It's not, you know, and, and it was this realization that I was the one in my way. Mm. We, we we live in a world that is so obsessed with haters as if, oh, this person or that person is talking about me. But if anybody ever ran the transcripts on what you say to yourself, you might find that you are your biggest hater. You are your biggest destructive force sometimes. And so this book is to encourage us to use that power that we have, that inner dialogue, that if you will, that that element of us that prays without ceasing, it continues to go on and on and on and speak to ourself, our higher self, our, our lower nature, our entire being. It speaks to us regularly and it doesn't stop. And the best thing that we can do for ourselves is try to discipline that voice so that it's constructive, that it's helpful. Um, and sometimes people don't know where to start. So this book was just, it was a launching path. It was a guide to show you, here are 35 declarations that I spoke over myself personally when I was going through the process of really 
really changing that speech and, and adjusting my my inner dialogue. I had these 35 um, phrases, declarations, affirmations, call them whatever you want to. This is what I would say to myself over and over and over again. And, and I would say it with feeling and I would say it until I believed it and I would speak it over myself loudly and clearly. And it just changed my life completely. It completely unlocked every door. There were opportunities that I had been standing in front of for years and couldn't break through. Uh, there, there were things that me that felt like generational cycles, generational curses of elements I knew my mother wanted to break through. Felt like my grandmother wanted to break through. And for whatever reason, we couldn't get there. We just couldn't break into this understanding of ourselves. And I knew clearly that the change I needed needed to start with me because I had a life where everyone around me told me how great I was, but I didn't believe them. And because I didn't believe them, I couldn't achieve. I couldn't, I couldn't get through. And it had nothing to do with, oh, she was talking about me. He said this, you know, if someone did say something bad, I would, I would just like melt. I would just sit on it and I would stew on it. And I would repeat it over and over to myself and I would make it worse. Um, so when I figured out that I was my problem, mm-hmm. I wanted to help myself and, and become my solution. So I started working on these declarations. And when I experienced that level of change, I mean, my, my career propelled forward. I just I literally broke out of poverty. So many things changed. My life opened up. I had, my relationship got better with myself. You know, just everything, everything changed. And I said, it would be crazy if I keep this to myself. That's kind of not fair. Um, and after, you know, sitting on it from some time, I was like, you know, what? we're just going to we're going to go ahead and share it. We're going to share it. And it's gotten great reviews. I've known people who've been uh, been affected by it, who have felt the change, felt the difference. Excuse me. There are several kind of books like this around and out there. And I think it's really so about finding the the one that works for you, finding right. the tune and the melody and the vibration that works for you. So mine is one of many love songs you can play to yourself. But, you know, for the right people, this will resonate and um I'm, I'm really happy with it. I'm, I'm really feeling blessed about it and for the work that it's doing. So, yeah, that's the book. Well, while you were talking about, you know, the things you say to yourselves, I was trying to dig up a study done on schizophrenia. And mm. it's very interesting. The study, uh, it was done in India, Nigeria, and also in, in America and Los Angeles. And what they found about the schizophrenics in India and Nigeria the voices they were hearing were more benevolent and, and and or that of dead past relatives and or of God, what they believe was God. Mm-hmm. But when the study comes to America, the schizophrenic voices are, they bombard the, the, the people who suffer with it with negative comments, threats of violence and ideas to, to commit violence. Mm-hmm. And it, it and, and, it's such a, uh, an astonishing study on schizophrenia in the world. It makes me wonder what's happening in America that so many people have the same issue where they they downplay themselves. They have they say negative things themselves. Like I'm not saying you're schizophrenic, not no, even yeah. take it lightly. But there are so many people who their natural state in America is to say terrible things about themselves. Say terrible yeah. things about. Uh, every aspect of their lives and what they're doing i mean what do you think about that you know i think that schizophrenia can be labeled as a mental disease right right um and i think that in america there is quite a bit of dis-ease that there is 
there we may not call it certain terms but there is a lot of uh, unrest and uneasiness there is a huge error of competition which doesn't allow for a lot of cooperation um and it doesn't allow for a, self, a lot of self-defining so i think america kind of has and and specifically when you look at it compared to the west the west has a lot of uh, uh divinity or god or well, you mean the east. Their excuse me yes yeah, I'm sorry east. my apology you're correct no problem. the east has a lot of god and divinity in their culture and when you get to the west right we're much more logical or at least we like to think we are we like to assume we are <laughs> yeah. yes we like to seem we're logical we like to do through our own hypothesis we want to be very scientific about it um and then even in that way it's kind of like we're wise in our own eyes mm -hmm. um and in that you know it makes me wonder how much how much healing can we have but i will say this i do not believe that america was always that way right we completely interrupted a way of life to create this america that is here today you know mm -hmm. So I don't, and, and those people, at least the ones that we said originally were here, the the the, and the original people or Aboriginal people to this land. The First Nation. First Nation, right? We want to say we know without a doubt, right, that they had connection not only to their land but to their to their guiding source, to their God, to their supply. Um, and so I think that when we get here to the place that we have in America, we have people who ran away from a system that they had and wanted to develop a sense of freedom but in a very rebellious young teenage kind of way yeah yeah and if i thought about my life based off like the teenage me who was on the run and trying to do a whole bunch of stuff and wanted to hurry up and be grown if she was still running the show right now we would have problems right right i think america is kind of in that way where we just have not grown up we are still we still act like that that teenager or or where we live under that colonial mindset of that teenager trying to run and get a little bit of independence for herself or herself and it's not the it was it's not the best solution it's not the best way but the pride says we can't change it we can't fix it but i believe all that's foolishness i believe all of that is a lie <laughs> i believe that you know um that I'm connected to my God, that I'm connected to my source, that I, I believe in in myself. And I believe that um, the purpose that I have for my life is greater than anyone else's theory about me or what they decide for me. So, you know, I think that America truly can be the land of the free, but you have to make that choice for yourself. I don't think it comes in certain uh, uh, constitutional rights, if you will, or or old documents written by people who never even counted me as important. It's uh, it's more of an inner freedom. And I think that's probably what they were trying to seek at the time. Um, and maybe just over the course of all of this, we've translated it a little bit wrong uh, hmm. and kept on, held on to the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Uh, it's funny that we would try to escape persecution land full of persecution. That makes sense. Now, you, you talked about uh, a younger version of yourself who, uh, quote unquote, was wiling out. Uh, yeah. What advice would you say to that young woman who you were today? I would tell her to trust herself more. Um, you know, I would tell her to, to stay weird. I actually had a, given a talk at a high school recently, and that was a, the talk that I gave them. Like, stay weird. Keep being weird. I was strange. You know, I, I didn't fit in. But I thought you had to. I thought that, you know, finding yourself was finding exactly where you fit in. Um, and I would have just told her to not try so hard to be a part of something. 
but to embrace that creator in her and continue to, to build build from the inside out um, as opposed to trying to fit into something. When did you emerge as a writer? Um, I'll say when, when, when I, would, I started probably calling myself a writer when my poetry really took off, when it, it started to find an audience. Um, you know, I always did well in writing in school, um, but I probably really owned that 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 part of myself when, when my poetry started to become well received, and you know, probably when people when it became a gig, when people started saying, "Hey, I'll pay you to do this," is when I started paying more attention to those type of titles. Yeah, where would you suggest a young writer go to um, to develop? Yeah, that's like the major question. I would, you know that's my dream is that I can develop things like that, that there are places. Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot of places right now. Um, I have the, the great opportunity to work as an education director for a regional theater company uh, based in Norristown that does really great work um, amongst the Philadelphia theater community. And we try to develop a strong sense of, of writing and storytelling with our students. And it's something that we're really trying to build out. So I, I can say I'm, I'm working to build out spaces like that. So I would recommend, you know, you check out places like Theater Horizon or local theaters that are, are helping people with storytelling. Cause that, that's a transferable kind of skill. If you can learn how to tell a story and build a character, you can learn how to write a better resume. Cause you can, you can learn how to tell the better story of who you are. You know what I mean? It's just such a great skill to have. And so I would recommend stuff like that. I got my thought, I know, and I bring that up because I got really my start of understanding in a theater camp local in our town. Mm. I was supposed to, we were supposed to go like to a fun summer camp where they took trips to Dhoni Park and stuff like that. And my mom was like, no, you guys are going to theater camp. And I was like, you know, we had no experience in theater. It just didn't make sense. We were like the only black kids there. I was just like, what in the world is this? And I, man, when I tell you it was so much fun to the point where I went to the camp every year. And when I aged out, I made them make me into a camp, a counselor. And they never did that. <laughs> I would, I would like refuse to leave. And like, when I got older, I actually returned to that camp as a program director, like 15 years later. Um, but it was such an amazing experience for me um, in that, and in, in growing my art, growing my confidence that I kind of always kind of, I don't want to, uh, I don't want people to lose sight of how important like storytelling is and theatrical work is so great at embracing that, mm -hmm. um, that, that, that writer in you and that creative uh, spirit in you. You know how like football players go take ballet? Sometimes yeah, yeah, that's what I would think of like how theater is for any artist. If you take a theater class, sorry and, about um, that. <laughs> Police, <laughs> Philadelphia. Yeah, hey, it's tough. Yeah, time. It's tough time. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's what I just think is one of those things that just helps you line up your trajectory and and, and just get a little bit more grace in all of the art that you're gonna do. So. It's one of the things I think everyone should take a take a theater class. I think mm -hmm. everyone. Well, let me take a moment to reintroduce you. Uh, I am with my dear Talia. She's an awesome consultant, artist, and author of her latest book. And you don't want to miss the book. What You Say Matters, 35 Declarations to Unlock Growth in Your Life. It's sold on paperback on Amazon, and you can get it on Kindle. We'll be back with more Can see Questions right after this.
Your brand is operating on your behalf 24 hours a day and brand consistency builds confidence. At 1030 Designs, we help you build brand confidence by creating cohesive logos, social media posts, websites, and marketing materials so your audience knows who you are at a glance. We're here to help and we're ready to get busy for you. Visit us at 1030designs.com today. That's 1030designs.com. Are you vanified? The vanified model is verifiably adept to navigate the new industry with fortitude and integrity because she or he is equipped and determined. Make sure to visit www.jj2thethirdpower.com to subscribe to our newsletter for updates. Our virtual model mentorship classes will be loading fall 2020. Quincy Stallworth and I'm back with the awesome my dear Talia for QC questions. It's not over. This is the final countdown. I like to call it that. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, where have you been hunkered down since March 13th? Because there's really no place to go, so you might as well stay yeah. where you are. I've been home. Been here in Norristown. In Norristown, uh, working from home, trying to create from home, consulting from home. Mm. Uh, yeah, just doing a lot from home. Home hey. and Zoom, right? Oh, are you are, are you uh, zoomed out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, my consulting business has like tripled since the. Uh, since the quarantine life yeah which is great it's great right for business for a lot of what we do about helping people get out of their own way and launch into the deep uh of their dreams and their passions mm-hmm. and so it's exciting to see people who got know that recognize hey i got time on my hands let me get something done okay we, we launched about six businesses during quarantine uh you know through consulting uh as well as like just just some work things that i'm working on so definitely been hunkered down but home has been home has been very productive um i interviewed a bookstore uh guy uh runs a bookstore in trenton new jersey called classes bookstore he mm-hmm. told me he was me his his sales jumped up six thousand dollars yeah because people were ordering books uh i mean just unbelievable uh, he, he said you know he, i hate to admit it but his business has never been better yeah and and i've heard that story for contractors who who are working on houses, they're saying, you know, they've never been busier because people are home all the time. Right, And right. when you work from home, you're looking at home and you're thinking, this place is a dump. I need <laughs> to do something with this. Yeah, I need to do something yes. with this. I've realized that I need to buy a, a house. I need to, a much bigger house. My apartment has served us well, but it is time for some space. Yeah, well, now's the time because housing prices uh, in, in uh, are, are, are kind of fluctuating. So right. in, in certain areas, it's going up. In other places, it's going down. So I'm looking for a sponsorship program. I want somebody to buy me a house. Uh, I know it sounds easy, but... <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, it's funny because I've heard stories of 
uh, benevolent uh, millionaires who do that sort of thing. And I don't yeah. think you all, I don't think you'll have a problem finding that. I'm here. If you are listening today, I am here. If you want to share your benevolence, I'm well, ready. I'm going to do it with the promise that I'll adopt 18 children. So that means I'm going to get in a state. Oh. My three-year-old has my hands full right now, so I can't take on any more kids. But We are going to pack the house out. My wife and I, we don't have any kids now. But wow. we want kids, and we're going to yeah. adopt them for sure. Such a beautiful thing, adoption. And, it, and you know, honestly, it just saves so many lives. As a kid who was adopted, it just is such a beautiful gift. So I wish you and your wife well with that process. And I'm sure whatever um, child you guys um, are able to bless will just be just be completely blessed to be in your presence. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. So what did you learn about yourself that you didn't know before this pandemic? I learned that I'm very crafty, very crafty. I've been making, right before pandemic, I started making these earrings. I have this like thing uh, where I don't like things that are, I like things that are like authentic and sometimes handmade and I get tired of like mass production. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was making these earrings that I just started making for myself as little like I would pray over them and kind of treat them well and just hope that they would remind me of the prayers that I said as I wore them. And so, I don't know if you can hear my three-year-old now. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but so, yeah, we uh, I started making those earrings and then that really picked up. So I picked up more and then I started making these, um, I started making these bracelets. And so I've been very crafty through my pandemic and just, I didn't know how how cool all of that was or, or, or that I had the heart for it. I never would have considered myself one for crafts. You know, I like art, but not necessarily craft stuff. That, that child sounds beautiful. Uh, Thank you. What, how, three years old? Boy or three girl? Three years old. Three-year-old boy. Uh, what's it like being a Black mother at a time like this in America? Do you feel hopeful with the Black Lives Matters movement? Hmm. I feel... I feel probably uh, as much as ever is such an important time to pray uh, and to cover our children. I feel it's an incredible time to to be alive and to be aware um, as a mother of a young, as a young, young son. In some ways, I won't say that I feel invincible, but I sometimes don't feel that it directly, you know, affects my house or right in that way because my son is so young and he spends so much time here. And I try very hard to not to let my mind venture into the worries of what could be right or or what the world could have for us and i also feel like that's sometimes to our detriment always playing out the scenario of how terrible the world wants to devour us that 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 can be become the narrative that plays around in our mind so in a time like this i've been finding it very important to see hope to see love um to see kindness and to also recognize that at least for this very moment i'm the me and his father are the biggest protections that our son has and you know shoring that and making that a solid foundation within our home and making sure that he sees uh, the strength within us and the importance of um, you know taking good care of himself that when the day comes that he needs to take care of himself when we're not around I'm hoping mm-hmm. that we're putting the lessons in place right now so honestly I'm, I'm actually really grateful to have this time home mm-hmm. with my son you know, you know, we're doing a lot. Uh, both my husband's career and my career are very, very steady. So, you know, we're working a lot. And with that in mind, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I, mean, 
I didn't have all of this time with him like I do now. So I'm grateful for this time in a very weird way, right? It's just, it's just, it's a tough time, but I'm very grateful to have this time with him and to, to be able to see him and be a part of his growing. I know without a shadow of a doubt that his life matters. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that his life is worthy. I am appreciative of the fact that everybody is, is doing better or at least seemingly doing better to pay attention to things like that. But yeah, with all of this, I've just been trying to keep my mind as much as possible focused on the hope and not just the hope of like what comes of movements while I want all of those things to be well. My hope is in that there's a, there's a bigger purpose, there's a bigger idea and there is a bigger creator behind any and all of this that helps me sleep at night i don't know if that will make anybody else feel at peace but that helps me find peace and i think that that's one of the ba the best things you could do for yourself in this season find a way to access your peace hmm. my dear what's next another book more um yeah, I'm working on another book. You're actually the first person to get that information. That's what I do. I get all the yes. good, the good dirt. <laughs> I'm working. Yes, I'm working on another book. Um, hopefully, we'll be out sooner than later. Just want to make sure that it's right and ready. Um, this first book was a. It's a nice. Uh, it's a quick read. It's a simple read. Um, the next book will be a little bit more in depth um, and offer just a, a little bit more. Um, more background and some of the topics that we talk about and what you say matters. Um, and I just want to just be open to being creative. I really feel that there is a, another level coming next mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't have the, the exact picture of all how that will work out. It's hard to plan for things right now, not knowing when the world is going to open back up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, don't worry. Uh, according oh, to our, no. our Supreme leader, uh, <laughs> by the end of October, maybe in the beginning of November, we'll all have a vaccine. And uh, we can go back to winning. Yeah. See, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about nobody's medications or vaccines. And I don't, uh, it's a whole other topic. But that's. Ooh. Oh uh, man, that's me nervous. But yeah, well, whenever the good day comes and we'll all be well, I imagine that the I miss people, so I'm looking forward to to collective events again and to being amongst a body of people and enjoying that energy. So. Whatever's next, I hope it comes with a lot of really good hugs and great conversations. Yeah. My dear, thank you so much for talk for talking with us. I uh, really appreciate it. It's been a uh, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've I've known of you and your reputation for several years now and it's been an honor to even interact with you. So thank oh, you. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I hope that you know you'll stay in touch and if i can i, I would like to just say my website so that you know people oh, can find a way to reach us definitely definitely i appreciate it. um you can reach us at www.growwelltogether.org that's growwelltogether.org g-r-o-w-t-o-g-t-g-e-t-h-e-r -E <laughs> yeah I, I actually have all that i'll put all of that in the, uh... gotcha. i think i spelled it wrong anyway but that's all right. <laughs> I, I missed the word well in there. I'll put but, it in, yeah, in the link. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm normally like not great at plugging myself like that, but it's been a blessing. And my goal this year is to really help at least 35 people in the year of 2020 to launch into the deep of their dreams and their passion. And we're well on our way making it through that list. But, you know, we've, we've released 35 declaration and we want to try to release 35 people as much as possible. So I hope that 
someone who's listening or or has a dream or has a vision they want to work towards let's get in touch let's make something happen let's grow well together hmm. i love it i love it thank you so much my dear you have yourself a great evening and kiss the little one good night and give your best to your husband okay definitely well appreciate you no problem thanks for having me thank you bye-bye Don't go anywhere just yet. We've got more. First, we want to thank my dear Talia for coming on. She's an incredible author. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes on this podcast. But the big story on Kinsey Questions is the music you've been listening to during this entire interview is from an artist named Dayon. And this song is called What I Would Do. It is featuring another artist named Ed Mills. These guys are incredible. Dayon is a Swedish blue-eyed soul artist. I'm telling you, if Michael McDonald and Tina Marie had a child, this man would be their offspring. Uh, what you are about to hear is some of the freshest soul music I've heard in a long time, and it really gets your spirits moving. Why don't you guys turn up the track, get ready to listen to Dayon with What I Would Do.
We want to thank my dear Talia for coming on. You can find out more about her if you follow the links at the bottom of this podcast. King State Questions has been a production of Anchor.fm, the good people over at Spotify. The music you heard was all provided to us by EpidemicSounds.com. The artist is named Dayon. The title of the song is What Would I Do? featuring Ed Mills. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, and I believe Amazon Music. Uh, we also want to thank the talented staff at 1030 Designs for crafting our logos and promotional material. Please like and subscribe. Join the King State Questions community on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. I am Quincy Stallworth. Thank you for listening and have a great day.